Morning, everyone. Um, my name's Dave. I'm one of the elders here. I'll be reading the Bible for you this morning. There's two uh, passages this morning. Uh, first is Romans 8, 6 to 11, and the second is John 11, 14 to 27. I'll start with the first reading of Romans 8, 6 to 11. Uh, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Um, and the second uh, reading from John 11, 14 to 27. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Um, on his arrival, uh, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Well, <clears throat> well good morning, everybody. Uh, as we come to look at God's word this morning, let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to our hearts and to our minds and to our souls. And we pray that you will lead us in all truth this morning through your Holy Spirit. Amen. I was looking at the sign-in and sign-off book that uh, is in the lobby at the school at which I work. We have to sign in uh, so they know uh, who's there. And as I was looking down the list of all the signatures, there were some scrawls like mine and you could barely decipher any kind of uh, name. There was some... Um, Quite plain but simple signatures, easy to decipher. And then there was some extravagant script, those that had a bit of flair. Signatures are amazing things, aren't they? We use them most every day and they can tell us a lot about a person. They can show us a style, some flair, some training, their 
can even say a little bit of our personality. But also, signatures are individual. No two signatures are the same. So with that in mind, let us look at another of the personal parables of our Lord, his personal signature, if you will. As one commentator calls them, the signature of our Lord. And it's revealed to us in the story of Lazarus. We know the story when Lazarus fell sick, the two sisters sent word to Jesus and they may have taken it for granted that they may have taken it for granted that Jesus would heal Lazarus. I mean, he'd remotely healed uh, other people, hadn't he? He would come. He would heal his friend. For we read in the passages in verses 3, 5 and 11 that Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. He loved the family. They were almost like extended brothers and sisters. The repeated reference to this love makes it clear that Jesus had a special affection for the family. And so we look and we think, well, it's quite cruel, the events, isn't it? But as the fourth gospel repeatedly emphasises, Jesus never lets others dictate what he does. Even in the end, even if he does do what others ask, he does it in his own time. He shows his independence. And on an occasion like this, he even delayed a little. Now this may seem heartless to us, but it's the way John brings out the fact that the Son of God acted in his own time, in his own initiatives, in following the will of God. He wasn't going to be dictated to. He wasn't going to be some kind of spiritual uh, vending machine. You put in a request and out comes the outcome. And verse 4 gives the reason for the delay. It says, Jesus says, This sickness will not result in death, that is, the final spiritual death, but would promote the glory of God and that of his Son. It will show to those around the presence and power of God in Jesus as he dealt with the physical death of Lazarus. It will bring praise and honour to God. And that's every time when we see the miracles in John, it always points back to the Father, back to the power of God and the glory of his son. And here we will see that Jesus will be proved to be the master even over death. For Jesus loved the two sisters as well as their brother, but they hadn't learnt that this love and power could reach beyond the physical realm. We live so much in the physical realm today, don't we? They didn't understand 
the complete gift that was about to be displayed, the gift of life, eternal life that Jesus gives. So he stayed where he was for, for two days after hearing that Lazarus was sick. And after two days, Jesus summoned his disciples to go back with him to Bethany. Now, the threats and the plots to kill Jesus had been ramping up. And it would have been one of those kind of private little discussions the disciples would have had. And when Jesus said, let's go back to Jerusalem, they were kind of, whoa. Hey, Lord, the Jews are trying to kill you. And they might even kill us. But Jesus recalled that the time allotted for his ministry was brief. He must carry out each stage as God the Father directed at the appointed time and without any regard to the danger. And so it was that the time for the Son of Man to be lifted up was edging closer and closer. And he says, just as a man walks by light of the sun and does not stumble, so Jesus wouldn't suffer no real defeat by doing the will of his Father. If he chose a different path, he would have been walking in darkness. He must follow the light. He had to go back. His return was part of the plan of salvation, right from the very beginning. And then we have one of the most ambiguous statements in the gospel. Jesus said that Lazarus had fallen asleep and that he must go and wake him. But the disciples missed the point. Jesus had a deeper knowledge, a deeper understanding. He knew that Lazarus had died and he told them so and added that his absence when uh, <coughs> Lazarus died would be a good thing. It would be a good thing for the disciples because they'll be taught a hard truth, a deep truth. They will see his power to give life and it would give them a new reason, a deeper reason to believe in him. It would lead them to a fuller, deeper, richer understanding, a deeper, richer faith. But as usual, the poor old disciples missed the point. And so when Jesus reached Bethany, Lazarus had been dead and buried for four days. So it seems that Lazarus had died shortly after the message had been sent. And so we see, because Bethany's not that far from Jerusalem, uh, some friends were comforting Mary and Martha. But when Jesus comes, Martha goes out to him and Mary stayed at home. And Martha says to Jesus what the sisters must have said and thought over the last four days. If only Jesus had been present, he would have been able to heal Lazarus and prevented his death. 
He would have used his power to help his friend. Jesus assured her that her brother would rise again. And she took this to mean that Lazarus would rise on the last day. That was an understanding within the Jewish community. On the last day, everyone would rise and, and take an account. She'd probably heard the same thing from her friends who were comforting her over the last four days. But she'd failed to see in Jesus the fact that the resurrection and the gift of life were present before her. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the pinnacle point of life. He can raise the dead and gives life that death cannot touch. This is a, a double gift that we are seeing here. And it's available to those who believe in him. Time and time again, those who believe in him shall not die but have eternal life. A life rich in Jesus' presence. Even if a believer dies, Jesus will raise them on the last day. And so this story of Lazarus is an enacted parable. Even physical death will not really harm the believer. For the life that Jesus gives to those who believe in him is a gift that physical death cannot be taken away or damaged the believer. Then we see Martha's faith. After hearing that, she says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. You are that person. She knows and understands that. So the story continues. The word was sent to Mary that Jesus was there. And so she hurries off. So her friends follow, thinking that she's going to mourn some at the tomb. But when she sees Jesus, she falls at his feet and repeats that same lament as her sister. Oh, if only you'd been here. And when Jesus saw the grief of Mary and the Jews that were, were there, it moved him to delay no longer. He had come to do and ask where the body was. And we are presented with one of the most remarkable verses. And in the Bible trivia, the shortest verse, Jesus wept. We see in that sense the reaction to the scene. It was sheer human sympathy of his heart. He wept. He was brought to tears. Wasn't a huge wailing and moaning as some of the professional mourners would have been. Simply in the events and the emotion, he showed his humanity and he wept. Our common weakness. Often, sometimes the only thing we can do is cry. Cry. 
especially when there is grief that is too deep for words, when our hearts are broken. Jesus wept. Jesus understood and understands grief. Although it's the shortest verse, no verse carries more meaning to it than this one, that Jesus wept. And the Jews who had come to comfort the sisters saw Jesus weeping, showed his great love for his friend Lazarus. See how he loved him. But in life, there are always those who are there to criticize. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He could have kept his friend from dying. He'd done all these great miracles. Why couldn't he save his friend? And at the end of the story, they're probably the same people that went and complained to the Pharisees. So they reached the tomb. And Jesus asked that the stone be removed. But Martha protested. And in doing so, showed that she didn't fully understand Jesus' purpose. Or think that he could do what he intended to do. But he reminded her that he promised that if she believed, she would see the glory of God. And in a way... It is only when we are expectant believers that we can see God's power. It's only when we believe and trust in what God can do that we can see it. We see that it is present and active in Jesus in achieving his divine purpose. So the stone was rolled away. And then we come to the prayer that Jesus offered. It's unusual in that he didn't ask the Father to hear him and give him the power to raise Lazarus. No, he thanked the Father for already hearing him. This probably means that Jesus had already prayed and asked the Father and knew that his prayer was answered and that Lazarus was waiting on the other side of the tomb for the stone to be rolled away. And so he made this prayer prayer public, not for show, but so that the onlookers might know of his previous prayer, that they may be led to understand, once they saw Lazarus' resurrection, that Jesus' prayer and obedience had been recognised by the Father and had been honoured by the Father to believe that the Father had sent Jesus. So with a loud authority voice, he commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And Lazarus, whose movements had been impaired by the bandages, came out. And Jesus commanded those standing uh, around him to remove the bandages and let Lazarus return to his home and to normal life. This miracle shows that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, able to raise the dead and give them life. 
It is a sign to those of faith that the Son of God not only gives life to all creation, not only sustains life throughout every generation, but also redeems us. He redeems men and women from sin and will raise them from the dead on the last day. This climactic miracle of Jesus' ministry teaches the dramatic truth which the gospel was written to enforce that those who believe in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God, will receive through him the gift of eternal life. Well, now that we've seen the what, the so what, the woohoo, as we saw in the Bible passage that we learned, the woohoo moment that makes a difference to you and to me. The immediate truth comes to us that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that anyone who believes in Christ becomes part of his resurrection and part of his life. And thus, we must be part of and share in his victory over death. I love these words in Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You see, it's in this glorious hope and triumph of life over death that we in turn will be placed in the grave. In strong faith, we will dare to believe, as Paul puts it, death has been swallowed up in victory. And that on that moment that we believe, we are a child of eternity. As many of you know, in such times, especially in death of a loved one, there are tears. There's grief, there's a sense of loss. There is a loneliness. But there will also, in the knowledge that our loved one is safe and happy and complete in the arms of Jesus. Thus undergirding our faith is the resurrection. This is what separates us from the world. This undergirding faith allows us, even in our sadness, even in grief, in our loss, to sing, to worship, and to praise God. But it'd be kind of disappointing, wouldn't it, if somehow we left to wait until our lives were over before we could enter into Christ's resurrection. However, we don't have to wait. For he says, not only am I the resurrection, I am the life. I am the life in this world. Through faith in Christ, our lives here and now are transformed. We receive this dimension of the resurrection. It enters into us and becomes a dynamic 
force in our daily lives. For the Spirit of God enters into us. And we are a child of eternity, an inhabitant of the resurrection, but my eternity starts here and now, just as it did for the disciples on that first Easter night. They were frightened, they were terrified. They thought the Jews were going to come and kill them. They locked themselves in. And then we had that dramatic moment when Jesus appears. When Jesus, the resurrected Lord, stood amongst them and spoke his words of peace and showed them his hand and his side. And suddenly the miracle of the resurrection broke into their lives. And surely as Lazarus walked from the tomb alive, these disciples were very much alive. They were enlivened. Their lives were wonderfully transformed and we have that same experience. Where fear gives way to courage. Where depression gives place to delight. Where defeat bows down to victory in his resurrection. And so just as the disciples were transformed and were vitally alive, so can we be transformed and be vitally alive. If we look and and appreciate this miracle, the transformation is ours. No matter our age, no matter our sinfulness, no matter what position we might hold, the miracle of the resurrection can shine a light into our lives. This personal parable of our Lord, we can see something of the eternal. In the resurrection, we see the truth of his statements. We see a victory of life over death. And through faith, we can declare, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of eternity. I know where my future goes. When we started this series, well, those weeks ago, we recall that Moses was out in the wilderness, the burning bush story, and God spoke out of the burning bush and called Moses to the high task of leading Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Moses naturally asked the question, well, who will I say is sending me? What is your name? And the name came back, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And it is this I am statement that Jesus had picked up As we'd seen, I am the light, I am the gate, I am the way, I am the bread, I am the truth, I am the resurrection and the life. And through these great I am statements, we discover who God is. And in Jesus, we open ourselves up to the glorious outlook of life, which he wills for each and every one of us when we discover that we are a child of eternity, that eternity starts here and now, for Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
Friends, let this miracle wash over you. You might have heard it a hundred times before, but let it wash over you. You are a child of eternity. Physical death has no hold over us. That we believe in the risen Lord. Eternity is ours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful story of Lazarus and the many lessons that we can learn from this amazing passage of Scripture. Thank you that that sickness or sin, death and hell, which is the result of the fall and the promise of all those who fall short of your glory, that these things have been conquered forever through the birth, death, burial, resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus on our behalf. Thank you that just as Mary and Martha's period of misery was turned into laughter and joy so that our nights of weeping can also be turned into the morning of joy where we can sing and praise you through faith in Christ, our Redeemer. Oh, Father, thank you that because he lives, we too shall live. And may we sing your praises and your glory each and every day of our lives and through eternal ages to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.